Content warning. Tone Deaf is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the shows we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren, and we have a silly goober on the floor who is boofing and wants us to be spending all of our time petting her and not uh, recording our podcast. Isn't that right, Latte? Can you make a noise for the camera? Microphone? (laughs) Now you're going to be quiet? Is that how it is? Let me scratch your head. Let me scratch your head and then see if you'll make a noise when I deny you love. <laughs> we gotta, gotta wait for mom to stop laughing. <laughs> so, I guess we will we will uh, record while we one-handedly pet our dog. Yes. So, um, are you ready for what we're covering today? Yes, I am uh, excited to see this show because, uh, you know, last one we did was Hamilton, mm-hmm. and uh, it's also about the founding fathers. And yes, uh, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm a little interested. You're Do a little I interested. See the difference. You're and, a little uh, interested to see the difference yeah. and see the show. See the show. Oh my gosh! Oh my god! <laughs> so okay. Tell me about this show that we are going to be experiencing today. So today we are experiencing 1776. Uh, It is a musical by Sherman Edwards and Peter Stone, who you will absolutely not know anything about other than this show after we're done with it. Okay. A, because musically challenged, and B, because (laughs) they're not going to be heavy hitters like Wildhorn, Sondheim, Schwartz, R. Ham, and the Weber. You say, A, musically challenged, you could just go B, refer to A. (laughs) So, um, this is going to be in the era where we're still kind of in the founding father mythos, hardcore But in a way, this kind of subverts it. This is kind of an early subversion of that because uh, Sherman Edwards, who he was a pop songwriter, wanted to write this musical about the Founding Fathers and the Declaration of Independence, but he didn't want it to be like your typical Benjamin Franklin flew a kite. George Washington chopped down a cherry tree, but he couldn't tell a lie. He didn't want it to be something like that because he's like, no, these are humans. And also we're in the 60s and we're starting to question things. He, yeah, he didn't want to just focus on kind of the, not the mythos, but the uh, the, the legend building of the Founding Fathers. And... <laughs> so, Latte may be shredding cardboard on... On set. <laughs> she is protesting our recording of this. So, uh, here's what he was quoted as saying about uh, the subject material. <laughs> That's some great Foley work. Good job, Latte. Good job, Latte. This is him ripping apart the uh, mythology as he's... 
I'm here for context. He said, I wanted to show the founding fathers at their outermost limits. These men were the cream of their colonies. They disagreed and fought with each other, but they understood commitment. And though they fought, they fought affirmatively. So sort of trying to show more than just the, and then they wrote the Declaration of Independence, and then they signed it. Look at this picture. It's more of like what was going on in the room where it happened, the room where it happened. Anyway, um, he <laughs> he does show them a little bit more human, but it's still a little bit mythologizing-y. Um, but he, it's not Hamilton, but it's not an elementary school let's glorify the founding fathers and treat them like fucking deities play gotcha um peter stone who was the librettist that was paired with edwards in writing uh at the suggestion of Stuart ostro who was the show's producer he said the minute that you heard sit down john you knew what the show what the whole show was <laughs> sit down john yes <laughs> You knew immediately that John Adams and the others were not going to be treated as gods or cardboard characters chopping down cherry trees and flying kites with strings and keys on them. John, what are you doing here? Take a seat, John. Right over there. <laughs> sit the fuck down. Sit, sit down, John. Take a seat. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it had this very affectionate familiarity. It wasn't reverential. And it's not reverent. It's It, it has some irreverent humor in it because... That's what they were going for. And this is the 60s. This is when we're experimenting a little bit more. Um, and I don't think I mentioned this is 1969 that this show was being done. All right. <coughs> Warrant. <laughs> so remember how I mentioned that Martha Adams and uh, Abigail Edwards, or good God. Uh, remember how I mentioned that Martha Jefferson and Abigail Adams were... Uh, some of the characters involved in this. Yes, for the sake of argument. Pretty let's say sure I, I... Let's say I do remember that. Pretty sure I mentioned that. That's entirely... Oh, no, I didn't, because I uh, skipped that part, because we were laughing. Aha. Uh -huh. I skipped that part of my notes, so... <laughs> so this is going to be leading up to the signing of the Declaration of Independence and focuses mostly on John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and Ben Franklin. You're going to have cameos by Richard Henry Lee, John Hancock, Edward Rutledge, Abigail Adams, Martha Jefferson, and more. Does that include Alexander Hamilton? No. He's not here for this, because... Bastard son of an immigrant whore. <laughs> so... Remember how I mentioned Martha Jefferson and Abigail Adams? Latte does not like your rewind noise. This. <laughs> you are so cute. Mom and Dad are recording. Yeah. She's like, nobody cares. They want to listen to me. I am the star here. You're so cute, Latte. So, this show is a fucking sausage party. All right. There are only two women in the whole cast. Period. <sighs> okay, don't, don't make the joke that you want to make, Warren. Okay. Please continue, Kay. I'm scared. So, um, Were they Eiffel Towering in the room where it happened? <laughs> oh, God damn it! I, I tried to not, and then... 
Well, we all know that Benjamin Franklin was very into going to France. And they only slightly mention that in this show. Like, they kind of gloss over that. So they don't talk about how Ben Franklin screwed everything that moved? No, they don't. Nor do they mention uh, certain things with Jefferson in this. And oh. Yeah, they don't mention that. So, um, in looking at cast lists for this show, I don't see any other women in any version other than Martha Jefferson and Abigail Adams. And I also don't see an ensemble. And I have seen this show. I've never seen an ensemble. So it's literally just the cast. Just, just the, the main people. The main people. It is a very tiny cast. Uh, well, come on, Kay. It's not about the size of the cast. It's how you use it. <laughs> You're a musical theater person. You should know this. <laughs> This does cause some issues for historical accuracy. <laughs> so. What, you mean there weren't like only seven people in the founding of America? No, totally? there weren't. There were 50. So, um, like in, in the room with the signing of the declaration. Um, musical theater wise, though, this is very, this is a very notable show because it's a record holder. But not for what you would think. Yeah, not for what I would think, because I'm sitting here going, it's a record holder, yet I've barely ever heard of it. It is a record holder, because in scene three, in act one, there is the longest stretch of time without any music or singing in a musical. That's a weird record to hold. 30 minutes between the Lees of Old Virginia and But Mr. Adams. <laughs> No music. But Mr. Atoms! No music at all. In fact, with this being the longest stretch in musical theater history, it is also the only time in a show where musicians are able to leave the orchestra pit. So, so if they have to go run piss real quick, they yeah, can do that. they can do that. They wow. can go take a smoke break. They can... <laughs> Get a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's, of course, not counting intermission. So, yeah. Wow. So, so if it's... Uh... Act one, whatever three, whatever three of act one, of, of course she picks a crinkle toy. That she has not played with for months. Seriously, this is her Christmas pickle, which is a weird thing to say to people. Uh, <laughs> Latte's playing with her pickle on mic. Then she stops as we look at her. Okay, anyway, so is this the scene that happens right before the intermission? No. Okay, sorry. This you, is, you no, said not including intermission, so I thought yeah. maybe you, there was actually like 45 minutes or something. No, no. Okay. Um, intermission just is not counted for, because shows have a 15-minute intermission, and that's technically the pit can leave and go do shit, uh, take care of things that they need to take care of because they're fucking badasses <laughs> being in the pit the whole damn show. Um, so, um, he, Stone had talked about, uh, that people had often approached him because of this scene and the fact that there's actually not a lot of music in this show going like, this should be a straight play. And, um, I can make more money on a musical because then I sell the musical rights well, and then so I get royalties. he had an interesting point in this. He said that, uh, the music humanized the characters more. May You could play with it a little bit more emotionally, which if you think about what I've talked about with the fact that 
music is intrinsically human. Even if we don't sing well, we'll still sing in the shower. We'll still, like, sing silly little songs as we're doing stuff. We like to have music going on all the time. That's a human thing. And so... I'm glad you think I'm human. You're human to me, baby, and that's (laughs) all that matters. (laughs) I want to be a real boy. So yes, because music is a (laughs) intrinsically human trait, then that's why, um, that, that's why it's like, oh, you can humanize the founding fathers by having them sing their emotions or something like that, you know, stuff like that. It makes me think of Hamilton, same kind of thing that it's like, it's, it's almost entirely a sung through musical. Yeah. And, uh... This is almost the polar opposite of Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know if... Yeah, you know, of course, because this holds a record, 30 minutes with no music at all, because I was just racking my mm-hmm. brain, like, all the musicals we've done, it's usually just little bits of dialogue seen in between yeah. musicals. So this is a first for you. Mm-hmm. So... Let's talk about the historical inaccuracies. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm going to say right now, I'm probably going to edit out some of them, but I'm going to read you what I wrote down. This is not all of them. <laughs> Just the ones that came to mind? This is the ones that I was like, I can fit this in. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I can fit this in, but... I think that History on Blast would be better to take down this show historically. Probably. And they can put Nixon on blast with this. <laughs> I'll get there. Oh, tricky dick. <laughs> oh, tricky dicky. So, this show is not historically accurate because, bing, much like with the Constitution in Hamilton, no one was in the room where it happened, and there's very little information about any debates that actually happened since this was secret because this is the Declaration of Independence against their former government. Which is technically an act of treason. Technically an act of treason. You're not going to be writing that shit down. <laughs> so, there's stuff uh, thrown in for dramatic effect, much like in Hamilton, but... This show is even more so one that you don't want to rely on to pass a history test. (laughs) So, Adam's characterization in the show is a bit inaccurate, since at the time he was one of the most respected men in the Congress. It was only after his presidency, 46 years later, that he described himself as obnoxious, suspected, and unpopular because his presidency did not go well. See? Hamilton. Bed shitter. A lot of folks in the show are actually composite characters, including Adams himself. Uh, He is a blend of John Adams and his cousin, Samuel Adams, who was also a member of the Congress. Bunch of chimeras. The founding fathers were chimeras. (laughs) We've been listening to too much knowledge fight, (laughs) y'all. Um... This is because this is a small cast, and having 50 people would decidedly keep it from being a small cast. And there were 50 people signing. Uh, In the room where it happened. The room where it happened. The room where it happened. They also don't depict the actual deciding swing voter, John Morton of Pennsylvania. Um, There's a song that created some consternation by Richard Nixon. Uh, when it came to the 1972 film version, as well as the stage play. And we're seeing the film version. Um, 
And this song, for me, I'm more like, oh, it's anachronistic. For Richard Nixon, I'll get into this. The song is Cool, Considerate Men, and it's sung by the conservative delegates. And it talks about the left and the right wing of politics, which wasn't a thing at this time. That's the anachronism part that I would take more issue with, going like, well, that wasn't until the French Revolution era, not this era. Um, Nixon wanted it cut because it kind of portrays conservatives as uh, money-focused and uh, power-hungry and hindering the progress of the Constitution, or not the Constitution, of the Declaration of Independence. Oh, how very timely. I'm not going to say much more than that, but uh, the person who sings the song was actually a Quaker who was more into the British Constitution, wasn't actually richer than the Founding Fathers, did free his slaves in 1777. I'm staring real hard at some of the other Founding Fathers here, but y'all can't see it. But it's interesting that Nixon was more worried that it made modern conservatives look bad. <laughs> Yeah. Rather than, like, a historical inaccuracy. Well, of course, because he's, you know, a selfish prick who's just worried about how it makes him look. Wait till you get to this. His staff went so far as to try and press them to cut the song from the stage show when it was presented to him. Nah, son. And he had the song cut from the film because the producer of the film was a friend of his. And so the song was cut from the original film, cut from the trailers which had the song featured in it, um, they, like, apparently the producer even wanted the negatives of that scene burned. Jesus, what the... Uh-huh. First Amendment much? Uh-huh. And it wasn't burned, because the director was like, no, I want this in, and we're watching the director's cut. Woo! It's in there. It was restored after, uh, Nixon. So... Uh, speaking of slavery, <laughs> must we? <laughs> there, there's going to be a song that kind of dramatizes the debate about the anti-slavery clause, going so far as having the Southerners walk out and protest. A. But how will we keep all our money? Well, A. The uh, Northern Northerners and Southerners were both like, nah, let's take this clause out. B. Have you heard what the slavery clause was? No. I'm a bad American. Well, it's it's an AP US history thing that w you would have seen it there. Uh, or if you're ever looking at like comparisons of the Declaration of Independence uh, in the draft stage before it was actually signed, which is where I got this. So, this clause was, He has waged a cruel war against human nature itself violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere or to incur miserable death in their transportation thither. This piratical warfare, the opprobrium of infidel powers, is the warfare of the Christian king of Great Britain. Determined to keep open a market where men should be bought and sold, he has prostituted his negative for suppressing every legislative attempt to prohibit or retrain this, success, this accessorable commerce. And 
that this assemblage of horrors might want no fact of distinguished die, he is now exciting those very people to rise in arms against us and to purchase that liberty of which he has deprived them by murdering the people upon whom he has also ob obtruded them, thus paying off former crime committed against the liberties of one people with crimes he urges them to commit against the lives of another. So, for some historical context there, that's because Lord Dunmore of Virginia, who was on the British side, the Loyalist side, basically made a proclamation that England was promising freedom to slaves who ran away and fought for the British. Ooh. How'd that work out? Well, I mean, there were probably people who took him up on it, because, yo, I would have. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, sure. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Live free or die. Live free or die. Oh, sorry, I kind of turned to Latte and shouted die as I said that. <laughs> she's like, I have she's my got noodle, her noodle dog. Yep, she's got her noodle dog. So, yeah, that's your context for why they were a little bit like, maybe we should take this part out. Latte agrees. I mean, disagrees. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Slavery's bad, huh, Latte? Silent. <laughs> She's staring at the window, just whimpering, and there's nothing in the window <laughs> that we can see. <laughs> so, um, also, Jefferson claims he's going to free his slaves in this. Ha! <laughs> Fuck you. He's gonna free them from the burden of having to govern themselves. He doesn't. He, he, I. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. I've been so mad at Jefferson for like a long time, but I've he, just gotten angrier and angrier at he's him. Treated as kind of one of the most reverent of the founding fathers. Yeah, by a lot of people. Um, and so I, I get that. I, I kind of want a time machine to exist. A so that I can go back and do some ultimate bird watching in the Mesozoic era, and <laughs> B, so that I can just show up at Jefferson's house in my time machine, wait for him to come out, flip him a double bird, and then leave. Can you imagine doing that, and then he'd just be like, a, a, a dark female in strange clothing <laughs> made rude gestures at me and then vanished. Just because I don't want to get anyone else in trouble. <laughs> and also, I actually wouldn't want to be seen. <laughs> also, ultimate bird watching for watching dinosaurs, that's a great name. You could also count extreme bird watching. <laughs> extreme bird watching is going at it from a non-just observing from your time machine point of view. Fair point. If you walk out, it's extreme bird watching. <laughs> You drop several notches on the food chain. <laughs> Might also be suicidal bird watching. <laughs> anyway, this isn't a dinosaur watching podcast, unfortunately. Tune in next week for <laughs> so, Kay's Dino Rant. Outside of all that, Martha Washington is shown as coming to visit Thomas Jefferson. She was actually incredibly ill at this point of her life, like was basically homebound because... Uh, she just was in really poor health at this point. Didn't George die before his wife did, though? Did I say Martha Washington? I yeah. meant Martha Jefferson. Okay. 
too many fucking Marthas at this period of time. So Martha Jefferson was seen as visiting uh, Thomas. And uh, nah, she was pretty actively on her way to dying by this point. Like she died in 19, or in, she died in 1782. But like from this period on, she was just in super poor health. So uh, he, he actually spent a lot of time going back and forth to be with her during this period. So, like I said, there's a lot of other historically inaccurate things, but I'm going to stop here since we're not a history podcast outside <laughs> of musical theater. I'll let History on Blast cover this more. So, 1776 premiered on Broadway on March 16th, 1969, and ran until February 13th, 1972. It, received, it was received rather warmly, and uh, Clive Barnes of the New York Times said this of the original production. On the face of it, few historical incidents seem more unlikely to spawn a Broadway musical than that som solemn moment in the history of mankind, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, yet 1776 most handsomely dis demonstrated that people who merely go on the face of it are occasionally outrageously wrong. 1776 is a most striking, most gripping musical. I recommend it without reservation. It makes even an Englishman's heart beat faster. The characters are mo most unusually full, for Mr. Stone's book is literate, urbane, and on occasion very amusing. William Daniels has given many persuasive performances in the past, but nothing, I think, can have been so effective as his John Adams here. This is a beautiful mixture of pride, ambition, an almost priggish sense of justice, and yet the saving grace of the character and ironic self-awareness. This is also a really popular show here in Utah. I've seen it done at Hale, and there have been some other small theaters who have done it too, since it's pretty easy to do Hence for a small, small theater. Small cast, yeah. Because small cast and the stage isn't, like, elaborate at all. So th what you're saying is, is that this is the... Charlie Brown of American yes, history-based podcasts. This is the you're good man Charlie Brown of history-based musicals. <laughs> Do they just have like boxes and very minimal sets? No, it's not that minimal. <laughs> Are there you're... any talking dogs? No talking dogs. Oh, that would be cool. But uh... we've got a talking dog on our show. Yep, we do. With an itchy ear. She's got an itchy ear. But if I try to scratch it, she's gonna try to uh, interject. So. There will be a revival in 2021, Rona pending. Um, but like I said, we're seeing the film version. And this is a director's cut. Woo! Woo! Fuck you, Nixon. <laughs> that, you know what? That is an official stance of this podcast. <laughs> fuck you, Nixon. <laughs> this is our first official fuck you stance of the show. Because our fuck you Weber is more of a playful fuck you Weber. That's fair. That's fair. I will take a, a hard, firm stance against Richard mm. Nixon, though. I, it's, you know what? It's in my blood. Because Nixon was the one who made my grandfather curse. <laughs> For the very first time yes. that you ever heard. Well, I didn't hear it because I wasn't alive. But... Oh, yeah. Duh. Sorry. Your mom heard. I'm not... I'm 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 not. You're an old soul, a, but you're not that. I'm not a Gen Xer. I'm I'm still a millennial. Granted, we're middle aged millennials, but millennials. I was just about to say we're millennials. Millennials, <laughs> early middle, because '80s is still. Anyway. Anyway, stop dating us, okay? <laughs> so, 
are you ready to uh, go watch the polar opposite of last week's show? Oh, oh, uh, yes. Yes, yes, I am. I was trying to think of something funny, and then my brain just totally shit the bed. (laughs) That's okay. It's been a week, so... Yeah. And you get to watch some long singing. Or long yelling. Yeah. Do I I get a cookie after? Yeah, we'll give you a cookie later. Okay. I just made a promise on radio, so she's getting cookies. You get two tickets to Cookie Town. Two tickets to Cookie Town. Let's go. Hey, Warren. Hey, Kate. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our favorite people in the whole world? Heck yeah. Today, we would like to thank our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Reagan, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Hello, and welcome to History on Blast. I'm Hillary, and I'll be your host as we call out history. Every other week, we'll be putting a different person, place, time, or event on blast for the shit that they pulled. This ain't your grandpa's history podcast, so if this sounds like your cup of harbor tea, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. And now, the lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. So, that was the most memeable musical ever. That was entertaining. Uh, <laughs> it, it does it does circle back around to my uh, theory that uh, all musicals require copious amounts of drugs and especially movie musicals. Especially movie musicals. Uh, <laughs> Salt Peter John. God. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> I was actually very surprised how much I liked this one. Yeah. Uh, given that it, the subject material and the uh, time that it was done in, mm-hmm. I thought it would, I, I don't know, I just didn't anticipate liking it as much. Yeah. Especially considering how much I liked Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, but I actually really liked this. Awesome. I, I found it quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um when compared, like, there are scenes that I've that I didn't care for. Yeah. But the parts where they're in Congress mm-hmm. are my favorite parts. Of course, oh, yeah. like all the the parts outside of Congress and the in between bits. I'm just kind of like, man, you know, whatever. That's kind of where you get your your drug trip scenes. Yeah. <laughs> but all the parts where they're in Congress and you have the the debates and the arguments and the insults mm-hmm. flying between the different uh, representatives and stuff yes. of the colonies is is entertaining. It's, yeah, it's, I it's was it was pretty funny. <laughs> and so, uh, like it's in the last one, I've seen this one on stage. 
stage version is pretty different from uh yeah because you said it's it's a very minimalist cast yeah in the film version of course no it was much more of a timepiece. you know they mm -hmm. had lots of background characters and yeah and a lot more in terms of representatives they Mm -hmm. Sounds like they had, uh, they didn't have, they didn't represent all the representatives no. in the stage version. And not necessarily in this version either, but well, it's true. still. But, uh, but what was, <laughs> what's, what's the funniest bit is the parts in the stage version that are a little bit more like, oh, these are letters back and forth between. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We'll get, we'll get into those bits. That's that's where the heaviest of the drug trip scenes were. Is when John Adams is uh, having psychic communications with his wife, uh, who's back in Mass in Boston. Mm -hmm. It's it's one of those things where like, <coughs> on the one hand, the Congress scenes are the best, but on the other hand, for just sheer entertainment value, <laughs> for just sheer what the fuckery. Uh, absolutely. Okay, should we get into it? Yes. <laughs> the show opens up with a bell, perhaps the bell, that rings with the sound of liberty? <laughs> Anyways, John Adams is chilling at the top of the bell tower, staring out into the night sky, pondering. Adams' quiet consternation is cut short by Runner Boy, who is like, Mr. Adams, Mr. Adams, the Congress needs you for an important vote. Whether or not George Washington's troops should have matching uniforms. <laughs> John is like, fuck this shit. Then charges into the Congress like, one useless man is a disgrace. Two is a law firm. And more is a Congress. <laughs> John rips Congress for not voting on, or for voting on stupid things and not important things like, uh, important things. The Congress tells John to take a seat and shut the fuck up. <laughs> John then goes outside to yell at God for cursing him with Congress. John, of course, would rather have a plague of locusts or an earthquake. But Congress, that's too cruel. John should try being a slave before right? complaining how hard it is to be a rich colonist. God. Um, so in that beginning part, you, we get the song that you were mentioning that sit down, John. You know, mm -hmm. that that early part, uh, I don't know, It's it's pretty quick, but not too memorable really yeah I, I think the most memorable memorable part of that is when adams comes in he's like one useless man is disgraced two is a law firm <laughs> three is a congress yeah or, three or more yeah. is a congress and then of course he goes out uh, just the image of him going outside to yell at god mm -hmm. about how hard it is for him i'm just yeah. sitting here just like uh -huh, uh -huh, john <laughs> i made a hand motion to go along with that in and this audio medium <laughs> Hey, some of this is just for you, baby. Mm. Uh, anyways, while John is bitching at God about how unfair his life is, he then starts to have a psychic conversation <laughs> with his wife, who is hundreds of miles away in Boston. She tells him to leave now and come home, and he can make it in eight days. Madam Adams says that the children all have dysentery. One of the kids is turning blue, and she's coming down with the flu. And then that they all may get smallpox soon. John is like, what else is new? Then she's suddenly, uh, then he's uh, suddenly teleported to his wife. And it's revealed that this mental break from reality taking place in John's head is just him remembering his letters back and forth with his wife. Mm -hmm. And 
these scenes <laughs> these scenes are some of the most reality breaking and every time one of them would happen uh my my sister shay watched this with Kay and i and we would all just be laughing our asses off whenever these scenes happen because they're just so ridiculous yes. and I do kind of feel like that they were some of the more musically weak scenes, too. Yes, they absolutely uh, were. This, what's really interesting about this show is I kind of find it, as far as musicals go, it's a little weak and it's a little mm -hmm. lackluster. Yeah. If it were just a movie or a straight play, I kind of mm -hmm. feel like it would be stronger. Uh, just because yeah. the musical scenes, if anything, are more mockable than rememberable. Yes. And uh, just... Yeah. Especially in the movie form. Like, in the stage form, it's a little different. Because yeah, stage plays are... It, like, this is one where it's like, yeah, they, they you need to see the play and not the movie. <laughs> if we could ever get our uh, grubby mitts on a uh, uh, pro shot of the stage performance, I wouldn't mind mm -hmm. watching it to compare it to yeah. the film version. But uh, as far as the film version, the, I feel like the film version takes whatever wackiness was in the stage version and just cranks it up. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the thing is that the stage version, from what I remember, not wacky. Yeah. Like it's, it's not necessarily, it's not reverent, but it's not this, these weird <laughs> hallucinations. It's not these, like all of the weirdness that happens in the movie does not exist in the stage play and it's kind of like what was the choice <laughs> yeah I, I do kind of think that uh, uh maybe a smarter way to have because i don't know how it's done in the the stage version but i think a smarter way to have done it in the movie version could have been to maybe john had these letters the thing that would have maybe made john uh seem a little more likable is maybe he kept these letters from his wife with him like mm -hmm. in, in his jacket and when and he's like pulling them out and reading them and you could then have like you know him reading the letters and then mm -hmm. cutting to his wife writing them as she's talking yeah. and that way you get like this sense of okay this is letter communication not him <laughs> bending time and space to <laughs> teleport back to Boston to bitch with his wife <laughs> But we wouldn't have had the meme that we now oh have my, with Shay. Oh we we said it at the beginning of this, and I'll cover it again. But now I swear that's going to be a thing forever. Now, just okay. John then starts bitching at his wife for not getting the women folk together to make saltpeter for gunpowder. Turns out John didn't tell them how to make saltpeter, nor did he apparently send them the buttons they requested. No buttons, no saltpeter. And I said buttons. Was it buttons or it was, was it pins? pins? Say, I don't know why I said buttons. Pins for sewing. They mm -hmm. need sewing needles. Saltpeter, pins, saltpeter, salt pins. pins. Duck season, rabbit season. Yeah, you were pretty funny in that. Uh, I'm glad I live in 2020 where we're more civilized. Uh, anyways, John comes out of his fugue state. And she would just be vague booking him. Vague booking? Oh my god, okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways, John comes out of his fugue state and realizes he's been standing in the street yelling at God and psychically arguing with his wife. Man, the Founding Fathers were growing some good shit back then. <laughs> the next day... 
John tracks down Big Benjamin, who's chilling out in the shade, having his portrait painted for posterity. John stomps over like, Motherfucker, why were you not helping me with the Congress? You should have heard what they were saying, what they said to me. Ben is like, All of Philadelphia heard your voice, is, heard what they were saying. Uh, sorry. Ben is like, All of Phil Philadelphia heard your voice is piercing, John. <laughs> Adams and Franklin argue back and forth about how the Congress is useless with one hand raising an army and the other hand waving an olive branch at King George. Big Ben gets excited when Richard Henry Lee rolls up, as Ben was saying, they need an outside perspective. Dick has some words of wisdom <laughs> and says that they need someone else to make the argument for independence, since Adams is harsh and tactless and no one likes him. Big Ben and Jerkface Adams praise Dick for his much-needed surprise arrival, and they sing about independence or some shit. The song concludes with them setting out for Congress, and I don't, I don't quite remember that because that that scene that was this is a good example of how I feel like the music in the show is just mm -hmm. it's not terrible, but mm -hmm. it's not for me at least it's not memorable. It, that whole song was a pun about the fact that he is Richard Lee, so he's doing things expertly and. <laughs> Was, yeah, I do remember him making a few jokes about that. Yeah, and uh I mean like it's it's a fun song to listen to and that's about it. <laughs> I I probably have to listen to it again without trying to multitask mm -hmm. since my my limited brain power can only do a few things. Mm -hmm. It was it was uh it was funny though cuz that uh that fountain. Did you recognize that fountain? No. That is the Friends Fountain. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. It, uh... It's been moved around, but... I was gonna say, it, uh, had a lot of, like... Foliage and stuff mm -hmm. around it. Yeah, I had to look it up, and allegedly it's the Friends Fountain. And all the rest of the sets are dead. Destroyed in a fire. <laughs> Nixon may or may not have been involved. Nice little, little fun fact there. <laughs> Back at Congress. That's a K-fact. K-fact. Oh, nice. That should be a brand. Boom. K-fact. <laughs> Back at Congress. The Congress is in session and delegates start rolling in. A doctor, a drunk, a lawyer, a rich chode, some other rich chodes, and like a bunch of people who I should probably know, but they're all dead. So who cares? <laughs> You know, I feel like the starting of this, a doctor, a drunk, a lawyer, walk into Congress, and there we have our representative. We get people's introductions, a messenger, you know, and they're like, so-and-so from Delaware, so-and-so from Pennsylvania, they're just mm. doing the thing, I'm, I'm, don't, I don't, I didn't write them all down because it happens a lot, and mm -hmm. anybody who knows American history better than I do already is going, you suck at this, Warren. <laughs> and to that I say, fair. <laughs> A messenger boy comes in with a note that he hands off, a missive from George Washington, and he's like, Hey, the English are coming to New York, and we have no resources. If you want us to keep fighting, we need some motherfucking resources. <laughs> Your obedient servant, G. Washington. <laughs> yeah, they do that, that motif that every time they're, they're getting ready to finish his missives, G. Washington. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I may have taken some liberties with that letter, but you get the gist of it. 
And I, I was really annoyed how the Congress is like, oh, he's such a whiner. Oh, yeah. he's so dramatic. And it's like, people were freezing to death. Like, yeah. this was the the mini ice age that it, it occurred at this point in history. Yeah. Boiling bootstraps for soup. And mm-hmm. Congress is just sitting there all fat and drunk and being like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I want to strangle every one of them. You know what, though? The portrayals in this I'm pretty sure kept anyone from putting the Founding Fathers in flower crowns, so we're good. <laughs> they do have some funny jokes later on about how history will remember us, and <laughs> Ben Franklin being like, it's okay, we'll be dead, we won't hear the complaints. Yeah. <laughs> like, a dude in black gets as excited as a four-year-old boy and screams, FIRE WAGON! <laughs> and the entire Congress rushes out to get a glimpse of an old-timey firefighter. Mm-hmm. Richard Henry Lee rolls up and uh, so rolls up with pep in his step since he, Adams, and Big Ben already hatched their plan of proposal to the Congress. Lee walks into Congress and plops his Richard on the table, <laughs> saying that he's for dissolving the colonies from British rule. This, of course, starts a chain reaction of people who were formerly against, now being for, and people who are against, still being against. It comes down to Rhode Island to break the tie of yay or nay, and votes yay! The motion may now be carried forth and debated. I wonder how this will end. I don't know. It, it all hinged on drunk Rhode Island. Oh, God. I don't know how accurate that was to history. I, I, get a, I don't know either. I get a feeling that, like... <laughs> Uh, with how Wild West America, even even before, you know, excuse the term, Wild West, even though it wasn't mm-hmm. the West. Anyway, but how uh, slaphazardly American politics was at that time, I would not put oh, it yeah. past people to be just drunk all the time. Like, it, Oh, yeah. Especially if you're rich and that's like your only job is to mm-hmm. go to Congress and, and be like, I'm here to vote for the great people of, mm-hmm. where am I from again? If you're shitting in your own water supply, then the only thing that you can drink is rum <laughs> or beer. Or... <laughs> Don't know about bacteria yet. <laughs> Dickinson from Pennsylvania is the first to go after Adams, being like, I love being part of the greatest empire on the planet. Adams is like, but we're not part of it. We par- we're part of their taxes, but we don't share in their privileges or rights. The entire scene is actually very good. Mm-hmm. Debates back and forth between, you're an agitator, you're a coward, you're a demagogue, you're a rich, pampered, out-of-touch elitist, you're an obnoxious and disliked, yeah, well, fuck you, <laughs> is pretty much how this scene goes. It's fantastic and full of great physical humor, little quips, and far too much for me to put down here. The Congress goes back and forth. They get ready to vote, but Dickinson of Pennsylvania votes to have any vote on independence be unanimous. It gets seconded and voted on, but it's a draw. New York abstains from the vote, respectfully. (laughs) And Adams then votes for a recess so they can write a formal document, a declaration of independence, one might say. The motion is seconded and the vote and voted, and again is a tie. New York abstains from the vote, respectfully. <laughs> Fucking New York. <laughs> the president of the Congress breaks the tie and gives Adams his and his group the time they need, uh, the time they want, and says that Congress will convene in three weeks to vote on the matter. And that is 30 minutes of no musical numbers. Yes, that's the part that Kay was talking about that it holds the, the record for mm-hmm. no longest part between musical scenes. And uh, you probably could have got one in there, but it probably would have made the scene 
yeah, feel weird. And that's what uh, Peter Stone was talking about, too, is like, there was no way to fit a song in this. It was just... It wouldn't fit, but that's the, but that was one of the most entertaining. Like that's the thing, the Congress that's a great scene, the Congress bits for any um, historical inaccuracies mm-hmm. are are great. Like yeah. they're they're entertaining, uh, they're funny. You know, they're they're just mm-hmm. the 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 childish bickering of these yes. rich adults. You know, with the fate of a na- of a soon to be nation hanging in the balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's they're just really good scenes. Um, if you haven't seen the show, I do recommend it because even though, like I've said, the music is just okay, you know, mm-hmm. and probably won't get stuck in your head, uh, except for in a uh, uh, a memeable sense. Yeah. Um, the overall show is very entertaining. Mm-hmm. As the party leaves the Congress, they break into song on who will write the declaration. <laughs> Adams can't because everyone hates him. Big Ben can't because he doesn't want to. One of them is a cobbler who ha- has no talent for writing, and the other is a diplomat who doesn't know politics. Adams takes Jefferson. On, uh, Adams talks Jefferson into doing it, even though Jefferson is pent up to his eyeballs as he stated time and time again that he hasn't seen his wife for six months. I love, I love that though. Where. <laughs> What was it like? I fuck. Yeah. Oh my god. So oh, I do love like John in, Adams fucks in, in the uh, in the Congress scene. There's parts where like uh, John Jefferson is just like I'm gonna be leaving. I'm going home. I haven't I'm going back to Virginia. I haven't seen my wife in six months. And everybody's like, ah, say hello to your wife for me. Yeah. <laughs> shrug, shrug, wink, wink. How you doing? You know that kind of thing. And then um, when Jefferson and Adams and Franklin and the other two i can't remember mm-hmm. uh are going back and forth between you know because there, there's some good stuff in that like handing off this quill and just going back and forth down the line mm-hmm. and then it stops with one person they're like oh i can't do it because of this and then mm-hmm. the quill gets passed off again like hot potato oh i can't do it because of this yeah and uh god what was the makes a comment i can't remember how the comment happens but adams is basically like oh you're something along the lines of you're you're 33 you're a young lover or whatever and then it and then it like gets thrown it gets weird it gets thrown back at adams and adams is like i may be 40 but i can still fuck you know and then it just gets in these this younger guy and older guy being like you fuck i fuck we both fuck but we have I this declaration adams so do i you yeah. burn yes that's what it was yeah. I can frolic in Cupid's Grove. That's right. That's right. K for the I win there. fuck. God, that whole scene is just, I fuck too. But I want to go get laid. Who doesn't want to go get laid? But we have important work to do. Getting your dick wet can wait. Jefferson gets bullied into into uh, writing the declaration anyways and curses Adams, saying that he is driving him to homicide. We then see the man cave of Jefferson as he struggles to write the declaration and instead takes up the violin to play his frustrations away. Jefferson plays and plays, and in a week, Adams and Big Ben show up to be like, Guess what, motherfucker? It's been a week. Where's our Declaration of Independence? Guess what, motherfucker? Guess what, motherfucker? Uh, Jefferson gestures to the ground and the crumpled piles of paper strewn about. Adams plucks one up and begins to read. 
This sucks, he tells Jefferson, then bitches that the man has had a week to write it. Adams gets uh, ready to ream Jefferson again, but stops. Actually, before so before this, I continue this line, I want to say that uh, as Adams is, you know, bitching at Jefferson, you've had a week. And then he goes, the world was made in seven days. And mm-hmm. just plops down in a chair next to Jefferson, and Jefferson just kind of turns slowly and looks at Adams and he goes, sometime you'll have to tell me how you did it. Yes. And I just love the implication that he's like, you think you're God, you asshole. Like, <laughs> you're giving me shit, but you're the one who didn't want to write it. And you talk, mm-hmm. just, I, I very much get Jefferson's frustration in this scene, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, Adams is about to, to quip at Jefferson some more, but stops. The door opens and who should walk in? But Jefferson's wife, the two rush to one another and suck face. Adams tells Big Ben, (laughs) not just touch face, they suck suck face. face. Yeah, it wasn't just face touching. Like they were they were trying to do a Vulcan face melt. Adams tells Big Ben, well, that's his wife, I think. I mean, I hope it is because I sent for her. Uh, If the man has so much jizz built up that he can't focus, well, you know, the sooner... (laughs) The sooner that he's done with his problem, the sooner he can work on ours. <laughs> and what's hilarious, too, is Big Ben just eye humps Jefferson's wife. <laughs> he does! In the every whole scene. Time. The whole time. He's just like, who is this? It's just like, ooh, ooh. It's like, you dirty old man. <sighs> Adams and Big Ben try to introduce themselves to Mrs. Jefferson, but the two, but the two lock, the two lip-locked lovers are distracted and oblivious. Big Ben and Adams excuse themselves as the two walk down the stairs. Adams is like, are they gonna are they gonna make the gravy now? In the afternoon? <laughs> ben is like, not everyone is from Boston, you prude. Sky rockets in flight. <laughs> and the two walk further. Adams tries to invite Big Ben to dinner, but Ben is like, nah, I have a date with one of my hoes. I'd invite you for some Eiffel Towering, but she's scared of talking. <laughs> Also, what's an Eiffel Tower? <laughs> Adams lets... Google it. Adams lets Big Ben... Don't Google it at work. No, it, it was a time... Oh, before the... <laughs> God damn it. See, this is what happens when you try to make jokes, but the person you're making jokes to is smarter than you. I would invite you over for a devil's threesome. For a good old spit roast. <laughs> Is that better, Kay? I mean, acronistic, or not acronistically, uh, time-wise, yes, because they would have had spit roast back then, but no Eiffel Towers, because no radio. What about Devil's Three-Way? Was that still a thing? That was probably a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but Ben's hoe is scared of talking, and as we all know, Adams is a talker. Adams lets Ben go enjoy his evening. Adams is left alone outside of Jefferson's place, and has yet another break from reality, <laughs> in where he psychically argues with his wife through letters that were sent. She's like, you said mean things to me. I was joking. You called me pigeon-toed. Well, that one is true. Uh-huh. You are pigeon-toed. <laughs> and, like, the, she says multiple things, and they're, like, they're, they're, like, insulting, but he's like, oh, I was being ironic. Oh, this yeah. And then the pigeon-toed comment, he's like, you are pigeon-toed. Uh, and the two of them psychically walk through a dark field singing to each other. These scenes are 
and, and odd to say the least song is all about how they want to fuck is it <laughs> yes like we'll walk through cupid's grove together which we've already gotcha. heard is I, I guess a it, euphemism and yeah. <laughs> some of these these details eluded me but it's, it's you know it's oddly um not romantic of a scene because no, it's not it's like not at all <laughs> it's not like they're holding each other and looking into each other's eyes longingly they're just walking in a dark creepy ass field yeah unless that their with, thing they with like to the go weird uh fuzzy <laughs> yeah they do like this weird vaseline smeared on the lens thing every time jefferson mm-hmm. uh, not jefferson adams is having his break from reality <laughs> And, uh, yeah, what were it's, you gonna say? It just, like, it's, it's all on the edges, too. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's, it's disorienting. <laughs> it's, it makes me want to, like, reach up and wipe the screen off. Yeah. It, it's, a, yeah, it's a little. But again, memeable as fuck. <laughs> memeable as all hell. <laughs> See, so the two of them walk, walk psychically through a dark field. Uh, these scenes are odd, to say the least. Anyways, Adam spends the entire night sleeping outside Jefferson's place like some creeper and is woken by Big Ben, who's like, The fuck are you doing, John? <laughs> Adams gets some gutter water and washes, in quotes, his face before being like, Oh, God, I argue saying with my wife last night. Holy shit, I need to stop smoking <laughs> mushrooms. Except I spelled it smocking. <laughs> At least I can pronounce it. Uh, and that's the, that's the that's a thing, right? You can smoke mushrooms? I don't know. Big Ben shakes Adams out of it, and the two <laughs> look up at Mrs. Jefferson as she's opening the blinds and enjoying the morning air, letting the smell of sex waft into the street. <laughs> Adams and Big Ben eye-hump Mrs. Jefferson for a minute before being like, Hello, do you remember us from last night? Maybe, before you and your husband engaged in some marital intimacy? Mrs. Jefferson is like, nope, I only remember my husband. However, he's not up yet, so I'll come down and say hi. Mrs. Jefferson comes down in a dress so large it's a miracle she fit it down the stairs. (laughs) It's one of those big poofy ball gown things. I'm saying Shay was so funny with this. She was. She's like, how? How does that fit? Uh, uh, Big Ben eye humps Jefferson's wife and asks her to tell him how Jefferson landed such a banging hottie. Mrs. Jefferson then sings about how awesome Jefferson is. Just like, oh, he was a poet and an artist and just all the things that she liked about him and then he also had a secret talent and they're just like oh boy adams is more like not he's a little bit more stoic but big ben is just like oh tell me tell me all the what does he do with his dick yeah exactly (laughs) tell me all about jefferson's dick like Ben is such a, like, I know that Big Ben, Big Ben, I know Benjamin Franklin historically was a notorious poon hound, Mm -hmm. uh, which is definitely played up in this, Mm -hmm. but he was just so like, just, ooh, scandalous. (laughs) Thomas has finally woken up. He steps out of his apartment and tosses a paper at Adams. Oh, and the secret was that he plays the violin. Oh, yes. The secret was that he plays the violin, which we already know because we've seen Mm -hmm. him play the violin. Anyway, sorry, Adam tosses a paper, or Jefferson tosses a paper at Adams. The page flutters down and Adams is like, did he, did he finally write it? Adams opens the paper and reads it. To his disappointment, it's just Jefferson saying, hey, go away. I'm going to bang my wife some more. (laughs) And Jefferson closes the door. (laughs) 
which I thought that was that was funny because yes. initially I was like, okay, okay, there's no way that after not seeing his wife for six months, they banged, and then he was like, okay, I can write this document yeah. of freedom. I was like, okay, it was like, really, did he? So I, I like that it was just a note mm-hmm. being like, go away, go fuck yourself, yeah. <laughs> piss off. In the future, the Congress meets back up, and everyone is ridiculing Adams. Adams tells Big Ben and his fellow allies to start working on convincing the others, since they need a unanimous vote. The group disbands in their clandestined attempt at persuasion, and fails epically, as (laughs) any resistance is met with, PULL YOUR HEAD OUT OF YOUR ASS, YOU TWAT! Because, like, one of the guys, he's like, oh, you stupid moron, when are you going to say sense? And then Benjamin Franklin is yelling at him. So, like, any any mm-hmm. resistance, they're just immediately like, yeah, well, fuck you. <laughs> <sighs> we might as well call this scene the congressional Twitter tirade. <laughs> Anyways, Adam singles out, singles out the Maryland representative and is like, answer honestly. If we could beat the Redcoats, would you vote for independence? The man says yes, and Adams is like, then come with me to the front line to see G-Wash and his rabble. The Maryland representative agrees, and Adams drags him and Big Ben to New Brunswick. And that's after the uh, latest missive comes. (laughs) So, like, because in this scene, um, everybody is just kind of ridiculing Adams and stuff, and he's, he's kind of letting it roll off his back, and that's when he gets Ben and one of the other representatives from Delaware to, like, divide and try and uh, uh, convince people. Mm-hmm. And then a missive comes in from the disheveled messenger boy, you know, and, and it gets read by the secretary of uh, of Congress or whatever. And in that one, he's talking... Um, I can't remember specifics of what he... Oh, oh, he's talking about they're in New Brunswick and he's had to forbid his men from going there because there's too much prostitution and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And, all, and too many of his men have come down with the French sickness. And, <laughs> and I love the... Reverend from New Jersey, just my aunt lives he, in like, New this, Brunswick. He has a great line. He says, "There must be some mistake. I have an aunt in New Brunswick." And then one of the guys tells her to keep tell her to keep up the good work, you know. And <laughs> and, uh, and as the the different uh, congressional people are ridiculing Adams because they're just like, you know, we can't beat the British. You know, we can. You know, how can a nation of two million beat a nation of ten million? Like we mm-hmm. just can't do it. And. Uh, Adams is basically telling them is like, is that the only reason you're not voting for independence? Because we, you think we can't beat the, beat the British military. And that's when he singles out the guy from Maryland. He's like, so you would vote if we could mm-hmm. beat the British military. And he's like, yeah, I would vote. And that's when he's like, okay, you come with me. We're going to go see George Washington. And I love that uh, throughout the, the show, Ben Franklin's always like falling asleep in a corner somewhere. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Adams goes over. He's like, Ben, Ben, wake up. We're going to New Brunswick. And he's like, why in God's name would I want to go to New Brunswick? And the Rhode Island representative is like, for the whoring and drinking, of course. And Ben <laughs> just hops right up. Whoring? <laughs> I'm Big Dick Ben. <sighs> After the, t- I don't ever want to think about that. And there's a reason I was calling him Big Ben in all my notes. God damn it! <laughs> what do you think he flew the kite from? <laughs> he called it his lightning rod. <laughs> do you ever think he used that when picking up hoochies oh, all over the world? <sighs> Being struck by lightning has some 
other effects. <laughs> Hello, madam. Would you like to spend an evening with Ben and his lightning rod? I may have invented the stove, but I also invented a few positions. <laughs> this one's the Congress. <laughs> this one I call the Liberty Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Now bend over and I'll show you my red coat. <laughs> I'm just doing these to make Kay laugh, so... They're still laughing. Oh. Oh. Are you okay, my darling? Oh, God. <laughs> Kay gave me the continue hand gesture. After the trio departs, we get the double back song from the uh, remaining... No, sorry, we get the douchebag song <laughs> from the remaining people, and they're like, we always move to the right, never to the left. And we get the glorious line that boils down to... Like, I can't remember the specifics of the line, but it basically boils down to, poor people will defend the dreams of being rich, even if they'll never get rich, because we won't allow it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a and great... that's the song Nixon wanted cut. Yeah, it's it, and it's it's one of those things that it really bothers me, because it's so mm -hmm. true to the core of mm -hmm. uh, the, the quote-unquote American dream. You know, people come here from all yeah. over the world to try and make a better life and to be successful, and then there's just so much... Mm -hmm. corruption in the system mm -hmm. poor people will defend the dreams of being rich even if they'll never get rich and the rich land-owning slave masters laugh as they get into their carriage carriages and drive off as they disappear down the street we get a great line from one of the congressional assistants imagine borrowing a dollar from that lot <laughs> yeah and the assistant invites the military messenger inside for a drink they enter the vacant Congress and smoke the pipes and drink the rum of the representatives. They ask the messenger boy if he's seen any combat, and he's like, Huh, yeah, seen both my best friends die in the same day. Their, their mothers came looking for them. And then he sings a really sad song about a dying boy soldier calling for his mother as he dies. Mama, look sharp. Yeah, fuck that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ugh, just it's it's a good um that scene is powerful because you get the the you get to see the the opposite from you know the rich people being mm -hmm. in comfort to the poor people who are dying on yeah. the front lines you know and it's just it's just it it's it's a very very steep tonal shift mm -hmm. and the kid that sings it did an amazing job he did it he, he did a very good like, job absolutely yeah it yeah he absolutely did a great job because it was heart-wrenching and mm -hmm. it made me not want to feel feels especially the shift from where he was kind of laughing to where yeah he just was like initially he was yeah it's like because it, you get the feeling that uh, yeah he's he's initially like yeah i'm a soldier yeah i've seen stuff and uh, i've uh i've seen a lot of Seen a lot of bad stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, yeah. <sighs> okay, anyways. <laughs> the sad scene transitions into the Declaration of Independence being read to the Congress. Jefferson, Adams, and Big Ben sit down and are like, It's a great document. This will work. We will have our new country. What should its symbol be? A dove? A turkey? The eagle! <laughs> And then the three men sit and sing about the chirp, chirp, 
chirp, waiting for an eagle to be born. How does it go? Because I know I fucked uh, it up. Waiting for the chirp, chirp, chirp of an eaglet being. Oh, fuck. Now I've forgotten the tune. <laughs> God damn it. See, I'm a black hole of musicals, so I'm like <laughs> sucking all your talent in, but it's going nowhere. It's just being spaghettified and thrown into oblivion. Okay. I'm sure that I could remember it. I remembered it for last week, but <laughs> then again, we've only had one cup of coffee today. <laughs> that scene is funny, though, because Jefferson is like, oh, a dove, you know, and Benjamin Franklin's, no, a turkey, and then, uh, uh, Adams is no an eagle and and Jefferson's or uh, Benjamin's thing of like eagles are are thieves and scavengers you know and turkey you know the the symbol of uh, what was it the bird of of uh, the original settlers and mm-hmm. you know uh, the brave the turkey wouldn't hesitate to attack an entire army of British troops all by itself you know what better bird to Which, signify true <laughs> yeah learning that turkeys are uh, velociraptors <laughs> turkeys will circle a dead cat in the street <laughs> turkeys will attack you in like just riding your bike down the street or turkeys know that they're dinosaurs yeah they have big ass spurs <laughs> they're also tasty they are tasty latte is very fond of turkey she is very fond of turkey <gasps> The trio enters the Congress as the as they conclude the reading of the Declaration and the subsequent uproar of people's grievances about it. The scene is three days long in real time. Yep. <laughs> of people being like, I don't like this part. I don't like that part. What about fishing rights? Yeah. Adams erupts and is like, are you going to whip this document until you've broken its spirits? The representatives of South... Car- this representative from South Carolina is like, uh... What's that part about slaves? You want us to take away our you want to you want to take away our slaves? That's not fair. I like having slaves. Jefferson and Adams are like it's a terrible practice and is abhorrent to God. And then the South Carolina rep is like, "Hey, you hypocrites, you don't have slaves, but you benefit from slaves." And then he has a really shitty song about how awesome it is to have slaves. All the representatives of the South walk out, leading Adams holding it's, his limp declaration. It's also a song of him pointing out the hypocrisy of, like, we have them, you benefit from them. Yeah. Are you going to give up your benefits of them? And, like, the song, I I have this weird feeling about it, because on the one hand, I fucking hate it. But on the other hand, I'm like, that is some of the most like honest imagery where he's like oh you're just going up clink clink and you know oh the auctioneer from boston he's and he's reading out the like auctioning off and just like oh fondle them but don't talk to them and just like kind of going you're part of this too and i'm kind of like that's on the one hand i fucking hate this song on the other hand it's brutally honest from mm-hmm. the point of, mm-hmm. from like this is what all of y'all were implicit in. <laughs> yeah, this isn't this isn't this isn't seven years of indentured servitude and then you're free. This mm-hmm. is we own you. You mm-hmm. are animals. You are no longer a human to yeah. us, um, and it's it's very it's a very brutally honest look of what the perspective would be and the fact that all of them 
are implicit in it. Mm-hmm. Even, Every single one, even the ones who are against it, still are benefiting yep, from it. They still have the blood money. And it's like... They talk about the clink. He's basically mm-hmm. making the motion of coins, putting mm-hmm. in a hand clink. Mm-hmm. And it's oof. Yeah. Oof, that yeah. song. It, and his performance of it is like... He was very good at being despicable. Ooh, um, and I'm trying to remember if that's the same guy from Shenandoah, which is another show we'll watch that will probably make you mad. Um, that one's in the Civil War. So, yeah. But I think that might have been the same actor who plays the dad in that. And he's a good actor. Yeah. And, and he's a good performer. Yeah. And that can be said for everybody in the show. Mm-hmm. It was whew, that. And also, I'm kind of sitting here like from a historical perspective, that's not why they were putting in the slavery clause and not why it, it was. That one was complicated. <laughs> it wasn't so much a we're being noble about it. It was more of a we're being tactical about it. Yeah, exactly. And that actually comes in. And there's a kind of an. Uh, point about that too when when mm. they have to realize they have to take that part out in order to get the southerners to go along with mm-hmm. independence yeah <sighs> okay everyone's spirits are broken and as the congress dismisses they tell him that it's finished big ben tells adams that they have not they have no choice they have to remove the slavery clause or they won't get a unanimous vote ben and adams or adams and ben get a hissy with one another and adams stomps off he mumbles and gripes to himself as he marches up the stairs to the top of the bell tower, where he psychically talks to his wife again. Only this time, instead of he teleporting to she, she teleports to he. <laughs> and the two sit in the bell tower and are like, what the fuck is going on? Adams is like, I feel like I'm losing my sense of myself. And his wife is like, I would never marry such a shitty person. You must not be the shitty person you're talking about. <laughs> Is the gist of that. She's, yeah. Yeah, is, is that. yeah, it's the gist of that scene. People expect this from me. I summarize. <laughs> I summarize poorly. <laughs> Adams comes back to reality as a delivery boy shouts at him that he has a delivery. <laughs> Adams is like, who sent it? Where did it come from? And then we see a scene of Mrs. Adams singing about all the different groups that helped in making the saltpeter for gunpowder. Adams sees all of the bow-wrapped barrels and yells to his wife, Who is not there? (laughs) What's in the barrels, Abigail? Saltpeter! John! And Adams dispatches his friends to be like, pins, pins for the ladies. And uh, Thomas, go get that other southern aristocrat. And uh, Ben, Ben, go do something. People, <laughs> people leave the room to carry on with their tasks. And Adams asks the secretary of the Congress if he supports him. And the man says, I support the general. And I've had this odd feeling that he's writing to me specifically which is a little creepy. Mm-hmm. But I love that you went with that part because I put that in here. I was going to do it. <laughs> and it was just perfect. So thank you. But uh, that is my alto voice is going, what the right fuck are you here? doing? My, my throat is mad at me. Um, but you that is not warmed up today. That is the meme that we've been doing with Shay. Just like <laughs> from the bottom of the stairs or from outside. Anything, you or... know. It's like, what's for breakfast? Turkey bacon! Shay! Like, 
It's just, it's going to be a meme for a while. Just, what are we doing today, Kay? Editing! Editing! <laughs> Making T-Rexes! Fuck! Oh, <coughs> uh, my throat is not happy with me. Anyways, uh, the oh yeah, so the the secretary of the the Congress leaves, and Adams reads the letter from G. Wash. Is anyone there? Does anyone care? It re- it reads, and then Adams sings to the empty congressional chamber. Dude is high, like high on like Massachusetts mushrooms with a side of cocaine and a pound of Kush. Like Adam's buzz wears off. Smoked, smoked a whole rope. Yes. He used to smoke six feet of rope a day. Adam's buzz is killed by the Georgia representative who comes in and is like, I couldn't sleep because my conscience is flicking my brain. And he walks over and moves the Georgia from nay to yay, and then bids Adams good night and walks out. So a little bit of elaboration. In in the show, they have like this big placard with these sliding metal things that have the state abbreviations, and there's mm-hmm. yay, nay, and abstain. Mm-hmm. And Georgia was a nay earlier, and the representative from Georgia is the doctor that I mentioned earlier when Congress is first coming in session. He's the new representative for Georgia, and when they're initially being like, oh, are we for slavery or against, he votes nay, and he mentions that he's new to this, and he doesn't know what the... Uh, uh, people of his state would want when it was he says i'm personally against it but i'm representing the people and they and are that's for, it. for independence he was like i'm against independent or i'm for independence but my people are against gotcha. it that's and right. then he's like i have to vote with my conscience and then he makes and then he he has a great quote and he and something about uh, a representative who doesn't listen to his conscience like does no service to the people he represents something mm-hmm. like that and so that's when he goes over and he moves it to yay that yeah. is for independence <laughs> what i love though about this anybody there is like no if he's writing to if you think he's writing to you why have you not sent anything Seriously, back they mentioned that he sent like 1200 missives to congress yeah. and he's like are you fuckers gonna respond at all like yeah he's like am i just I feel like he's writing to me <laughs> is anybody there <laughs> hello Hello? We need gunpowder and, like, food. <laughs> Gonna take a lot to drag me away from you. <laughs> oh, God. Like, uh, it's, it's, anyway. <laughs> okay. That was a dumb reference. <laughs> no, you're great, honey. Okay, so the Georgia, uh. That's a reference you, me, and a couple of Taz fans will get. <laughs> That's true. I know it's Toto, but okay, anyway. The Georgia representative moves the placard from nay to yay, and then he bids Adams a good night and walks out. Adams then has the entire movie's dialogue echoing in his ears, rapid fire. <laughs> and of course, Adams just stays in the Congress and trips for the whole night <laughs> until everyone is back the next day to vote. Adams. Huh. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's just he's just in oh. Congress sleeping, and you have like all of the dialogue. This oh, we can't do the oh, we can do the oh, just like the whole show's fucking dialogue is mm-hmm. just playing in his ears, just him basically reliving the last few weeks, I guess. Yeah, 
And uh, it's all the last few weeks flash before my yeah, eyes. Yeah, he just sits there and trips balls in Congress until he wakes up, you know. <laughs> Isn't that the American dream, though? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could be high and drunk at work. <laughs> Adam snaps out of his trip and writes his balls just in time for the vote to be counted. Adams and Jefferson agree to let the South keep their slaves, and the South votes for <coughs> independence. Yep. <sighs> And the country, and the count continues. I know people come to expect spoilers from this show, our <laughs> show Tone Deaf, but I don't want to give away the ending of this show. People will just have to watch the show and find out for themselves if the colonies become the United States of America. Anyways, <laughs> the end. So. That was lovely, darling. So when uh, we were watching the show and I was doing my notes. I had mentioned to Shay and Kay that uh, I have a very stupid joke to end this with, and I don't know if it'll make Kay angry or make her laugh, make them laugh, and uh, I made them laugh. So, that yeah. was such a delightful so, scene. So they're, they're, they're counting the votes, and uh, I'm not going to tell anybody whether or not it passes. Because it does end abruptly. It does. It does very much end abruptly. Like, as soon as they're voting, uh, then it pretty much, after the vote is done, it pretty much ends. Mm. Um I thought my joke with my accent was funny. We don't know how it ends. So does that mean that they didn't declare independence and we're all still under British rule? You know, darling... explain the joke. You know, my dear, <laughs> your ancestors would have been freed much sooner, had they? This is true! <laughs> and we would all have marvellous British accents. <laughs> And better TV. Somewhat. We would have a decrease in trash TV. Yes. As is so popularized by American entertainment. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I've been your co-host, Warren. If you'd like to get in touch with Kay and I, you can reach out to us at Hold our... on, hold on, hold on. We haven't even done the wrap-up stuff yet. <laughs> God damn it. I was on a motherfucking roll. <laughs> I am now in character. <laughs> okay, you have the floor. So, other other than uh, the meme ability, it was a fun show. It was... It is an enjoyable look at <laughs> oh, the Jesus, early time done? that the the prenatal, you could say, founding of America, just the the thrust, the thrusting and gyrating of the for and against political atmosphere that circulated around the the uh, Congress of Philadelphia. Kay is laughing at me, and I don't know why. Okay, Dick Attenborough. So... <laughs> Richard, please! <laughs> Honey, my dear, you're far too formal with us in front of our guests. <laughs> know your place! I'm sorry. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's a show that, you know, I, I knew that we were going to cover it eventually, and the fact that Hamilton came out and originally we would have released this episode a couple of weeks ago um but i 
I have like this weird fondness for parts of it, but also I'm kind of like, this is not my favorite by any means. This is a very meh show for me. No, I I agree full-heartedly, my dear. This show is average in very many attributes. The music and the uh, instrumental bits are, are possible, you know, but the dialogue and the entertainment of the conflict between the different representatives in Congress is what made this for me. <laughs> are you ready for the next show? Hit me with your best shot, Kay. Well, next week, we are going to be seeing one of the movie musicals that killed the movie musical for a little while in the 60s. Bye Bye Birdie? No. I'm putting that one off as long as possible. (laughs) What is it, dear? Camelot. Camelot. Camelot? Camelot. (laughs) Solely immortal. (laughs) <laughs> Our next show will be Camelot Thank you all for listening If you would like to reach out to Kay and I You can do so at our website ToneDeafMusical.com There we have links to all of our Social medias Our Twitters Our Facebooks Our Instagrams as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server, where Kay and I have our own not-safe-for-work tone-deaf chat. Feel free to hop in there and say hello and uh, talk about musical theater. We often post pictures of our lovely dog, Lotte. Uh, You're free to share pictures of your own fuzzy, fluffy friends. Uh, Or you can yell at me about what uncultured swine I am. Until next time. I have been Warren. I'm Kay. And you've been listening to Tone Deaf. Yeah, <laughs>